We're back. Welcome to season six of the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I want to tell you, I love to bike ride. It's my favorite daytime activity. And my nighttime favorite activity is playing piano. And I'm in the middle of all of that. I like to watch TV and play video games and stuff. Support us by supporting our sponsors, Crave Jerky, F2C Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smashfest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Hi, Haley. Welcome back and happy October. Can you believe that it's already October? I can because it definitely feels like October here in Bozeman. We actually had snow flurries this past weekend, which um, I wasn't quite ready for that. Luckily, it did not stick around, but it's feeling like October for sure. Oh, no. Well, maybe you need to take a trip out to Charlottesville because this is like the best time of the year for riding. It's like 60s and 70s. The foliage is starting and there's like a lot of leaf peepers around. That's what you call people who come into this area. And typically they're up on Skyline Drive or the Blue Ridge Parkway and they're just looking at leaves because it's just so beautiful here. And so they're like just now, I think, is the starting of them turning. Um, so we're going to get a lot of that action over the next few weeks. And it's it's my one of my favorite times of year to be here and be spending a lot of time, especially on the bike. So you're welcome anytime. I might take you up on that. It sounds delightful, but I did one advantage of snow flurries was that I got to ride the trainer and watch a lot of the Ironman Chattanooga coverage this weekend, which was really, you know, entertaining. It makes for good trainer material. I will say I I've spent a lot of time watching. I love, I like watching other people work out while I work out. That is probably my favorite thing to watch. If I'm going to watch, if I'm doing more aerobic ride. So watching Ironman was really fun. Even, you know, even with the absence of a pro women's field in Chattanooga, it was fun watching the men's race and, I will say with the two loop course, it was kind of cool because I got to see actually some people I knew who were racing as like Cody Beals was passing them on the bike in the run. I was like, Hey, I know that guy. Um, and I saw a woman wearing my, you know, my same kit. So that was kind of cool. I was, you know, there was some like good, uh, like side, you know, pieces of that, (laughs) that I got to enjoy. I did get to see some of that coverage as well. And again, I think what they are doing is great. I think it's absolutely showing that you can show an Ironman all day, right? And people are interested and people are watching. Dee did a great job with the commentary this weekend. My like small bone to pick if anyone out there at Ironman is listening or if anyone listening ever comments in or wants to send some feedback their way is I was, Haley, honestly a little disappointed to see them doing some coverage of so they, it was a pro men's only race. And so the cameras were on the top three pro men kind of, it was a little hard with the time trial start and things like that, but they were showing the top of the pro men's field. And then I almost felt like they were like, Oh, we have to show women now. So we're going to show the age group female race. And they showed some of the top women in the age group race. And it's not that I don't think it should be showcased, but I, I guess 
this is so new for us and it's such a big deal to be getting coverage like this. And, you know, what we want is more women to be racing in the pro field and we want to be boosting those numbers and we want to be getting those equal spots by, you know, if we have to just drag out the equal numbers to get the proportional equal, we'll do it. But by giving coverage to the lead amateur female, it's giving that opportunity for women to be like, well, why would I go pro and not get that sort of coverage? Right? Like if it was a pro rate, you know, like they got more coverage than I would get at a race in say fifth place or sixth place or something. They got more coverage than the fifth place male or the fifth place or the sixth place male, you know, and those guys need the coverage. It's a pro men's only race. I think it's absolutely a hundred percent okay to only be showing the pro men when there's no pro women racing. Right. And then do just the equal and opposite when the only the pro women are racing. So, you know, I, I just, it's a, it's a hard thing, but we are really like fighting for coverage and sponsorships and things like that. And so making it kind of more exclusive thing as like, that's a benefit of going pro that you can then showcase your sponsors by racing well and getting into that coverage would be a great thing. I'll step off my soapbox now. (laughs) No, it's super interesting. I didn't, I did not catch the Ironman Wisconsin coverage where it was a, I didn't, I caught like a very few couple minutes of that. Um, whereas pro women only. So I was, did you see, did they do the same thing there where they showed the a top age group men? They did. Yeah. And I, again, like my memory is I was kind of going in and out of that coverage. So, and a lot of times I think if they turned that off the pro women, I wasn't really paying attention, but they definitely did show the age group men's race. It's yes. so interesting because there's obviously a lot of growing pains because those top age groupers we just learned from USA triathlon aren't even competing for pro spots. If the gender, the pro gender isn't their own gender. So it's definitely, I think there are some growing pains, but that is, that's good feedback. I mean, I think that is things that we can talk to about, talk to, you know, WTC about, they do seem to respond to listener feedback. So that is good. I mean, you complained about not having a female commentator in Tremblant and look at this at the pro men only race. We have Dee Dee Griesbauer commentating and she did a fantastic job. Yep. So I think they are listening. I think your voice is heard and shout out to Marge. We know you're a listener and you did, you did do great. I got to see you on the coverage. <laughs> so not that I didn't want to be seeing you racing, but you did a great job. So, and thanks for listening. So hopefully, you know, maybe with the criteria, you can still use that race to get your pro card and come race with us in a, in a future season. The elusive criteria G yeah. <laughs> it is, uh, since Marge can't do the the like easy way where you just top three amateur in it, but there is the elusive criteria G, which it's beyond my brain power to understand. You can ask someone at USAT to help you with that one. And Haley, other than Chattanooga though, I don't have any orienteering updates. Don't worry guys. If anyone was like worried, I was going to tell another orienteering story no this orienteering. week, but I did do something else new this past weekend. Are you ready for this? What is it? Cooking? I did a swim meet. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So I was actually supposed to do a swim meet. I think it was in the winter and I like totally lucked out and it was canceled. And I was like, yes, I dodged a bullet. Right. So, but I swim with this master's group and the coach I've talked about him before. He's awesome. And the only thing he wants is for us to be like racing. So he has some sort of a benchmark for us and practice and I totally get it, but it's, you know, swim meets are one more thing to tack onto a weekend of training and stuff. So sometimes it's difficult there. And to be honest, I just avoided it because I was like, I, I didn't want to do it. It made me nervous. I was scared. Right. But Haley, so I got duped into it because 
there was a young woman I swim with. She was racing and she was like, oh, there's these relays. It would be really fun if we could put together some relays. So then two guys, it was mixed relays at this meet. And so two guys were like, oh, we'll come race the relays with you. And so they were waiting for me after practice last week. And they were like, will you be our fourth? We need you to come like be the fourth member so we can have a mixed relay. And so there's nothing more I love in sport than like relay competition, well, competition in general. But then I, I do love relays. So they like hit my soft spot there, I guess. And I agreed to do it. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to drive to Richmond and do some relays, I may as well also swim a couple events. And I was hoping they would have something I would be more comfortable with, like the mile or something like that. But they, I swam, I ended up swimming the 500 free, the 200 free. And then I did the 200 mixed freestyle relay. And then Haley, I got to anchor the 200 medley relay. I was, was hoping you were going to say you did butterfly. Darn. <laughs> I, uh, I really wanted to say you did like butterfly in the medley relay, but what did you think? I mean, about these fast, like two minute efforts, like how much does that hurt? It does hurt a lot. I mean, I seated myself at a 220 for the 200 free and I came in, I, I was pretty proud of myself. I actually swam exactly at 220, but it was, it's so hard, you know, to do that. And the 50s over so fa- like, I honestly felt like the 50 was over before I even really told myself to like go as hard as I could. Like it's, it's gotta be a totally different way of competing and thinking and everything like that to be able to just bang out that in 50 yards. Right. So but it was, it was really fun. And I have to say if anyone swims with masters or if anyone's ever thought about doing a master's meet or something, it's so much fun. Everyone was very nice. It was very low key. You're actually, I did get up the courage to do the diving off the blocks, but you don't have to, the rules let you dive off the side or you can do an in-water start if you want. And there's literally people of all ages and it's so inspiring to see these people out there. And I mean, there was like a woman, I guess she just wanted to do a 200 fly. And this woman did a 200 fly all by herself. No one, who wants to swim 200 fly, but she did. And she did it all by herself and it was awesome. And it inspired me to maybe next time, I will try and swim butterfly or breaststroke in the medley relay because I, I'd swim all the strokes in practice. I'm, I'm working on them slowly. We should do an iron women relay sometime. You, me, Sarah and Kelly, we could, uh, it'd be fun. It would be fun. Maybe I'll do yeah. backstroke since that seems to be the stroke you're, you are, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you do like, you dislike the most. Yeah. I can't, I, something about, I actually thought I was pretty good at it. And then I, they did some filming one day at practice and showed it to me. And I was like, oh, this is not very good. You're like, I thought I looked like Missy Franklin in my head. I look like Missy Franklin. And then you had to like do the split screen. You're like, that's not Missy Franklin. (laughs) It is. But you know, I mean, at least ignorance is bliss in some ways, right? Like I was a happy camper to, to pretend for a while, but so that was my new experience for the weekend. And I came home with some ribbons. It was cool. I think I actually got like a meat record for the 500 freestyle of my age group And I don't know how long the meet has been around. I don't think maybe more than a year or two, but so boom. That's awesome. Congratulations. New experience, meet record. You sounds like this could eclipse orienteering in your, you know, in your like new thing excitement, but, uh, maybe I can somehow combine it all. We'll, we'll see, but you can can like drop you off in the woods somewhere and be like, find your way to the pool. (laughs) That's yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. I'll just uh I'll take the regular path there. 
And so what else do we have going on? Haley, this week, I'm actually heading out to the big island and I'm going out there to work for Smash Fest Queen and coach um, out there. I have an athlete racing. So we will do our big kind of Kona preview show and chat all about the race next week. So everyone, we have Emily Cox coming on. Emily does the triathlon preview show podcast. So she will be on with us next week to chat about Kona and things out there. Yes. Great episode. Emily always has a ton of insight into the field and, you know, just kind of where she thinks people are. So it's, you know, always, always good to get her, her take on things. And Sarah and Ashley are actually in Hawaii right now. And by the time this episode comes out, you will also be able to log on to the Ironman Facebook page and start watching the live videos they have lined up with the pro women. So then you can make your own decisions on how people, you know, seem and how they're, you know, how, who seems relaxed, who seems tense, who looks ready, you know, at leading into the big day. And Haley, this would normally be our time to do some mailbag questions, but you guys have not sent us any questions. So if there are questions out there that you want Haley and I to answer, you can always send them into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we'll, we'll take a stab. We'll try and find you some answers. We'll, we'll dig them up from somewhere if we have to, but definitely don't be shy. Send those in. Yes. And today we do have a interview. We are going to talk to Radka Vodishkova Kalfeld. And Radka is, she's from the Czech Republic, but currently lives in Australia. And most recently she was fifth at the 70.3 world championship in South Africa. She has more 70.3 and Olympic distance wins than I could count for just this year, which are made even more impressive because she welcomed her first child, Ruby, in January. So if you're doing the math there, she has, you know, come back like, I don't even, I can't even find the adjective big enough to describe, you know, how big her, you know, her return has been and how it's impressive it has been. So we're going to talk to Ruby or talk to <laughs> Ruby's her daughter. We're going to talk to Radka about life with Ruby, you know, racing the 70.3 world championship. And she's going to give us a little insight on who she thinks might, um, have a great day in Kona. Crave Jerky is back as a sponsor of the Iron Women podcast. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, and contains all natural ingredients. Crave meat snacks are made with tender, gourmet cuts of meat and crafted flavors with elevated yet simple ingredients. My favorite flavors include sweet chipotle beef, black cherry barbecue pork, and chili lime beef. You can try one of Crave's bold, tender flavors when you use the code IRONWOMEN to get 20% off at CraveJerky.com. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors, to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi, Radka. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Hi, girls. Hello. How are you? 
So to kick things off, we want to congratulate you on your fifth place finish at the 70.3 World Championships in South Africa just last month. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the race played out that included eventual champion Daniela Reef? Uh, yes, so the, the field was really strong and I didn't even, when I look at the start list, because I knew it's it's pointless, just just I thought I give my best and race as hard as I can. And yeah, the swim was pretty good, very cold, uh, wet to swim. And yeah, we exited in a big group, just uh, everyone up behind uh, Lucy Charles, who was, I guess, like two minutes at the front. And I had a really good transition, so jumped on the bike and was actually riding in the third position until then Daniela passed me and she just disappeared. Uh, and then uh, I just stayed with Anne basically the whole way, we were riding kind of together and no one actually was catching up and I was very surprised because I knew there were really strong girls at the back and so I thought I'll probably have a good race if no one comes but the bike was so hard I had to push really hard so I thought I may not be able to run <laughs> when I arrived to the transition and yeah and then the run I, I didn't feel amazing but I still survived it and just managed to keep the position until last kilometer or so where um um, girl from Brazil, uh, Pamela Oliveira. Yes, sorry. Yeah, you had a little yeah. sprint she finish just, there. Yeah, she just caught me and was sprint finish. I thought I can bring out some sprint, um, but it was not in. <laughs> it was just a finish, hoping for a sprint finish. Yeah, um, we both ended up in a medical tent, so we really pushed hard and, um, but nothing serious. Just completely exhausted. It was a great. Great race. I loved it. I'm really happy I, I made the effort come all the way to South Africa um, because um, traveling with Ruby, with my baby, it's, it's never easy now, And um, but it, it was definitely worth it. And you mentioned riding, the ride being super hard. Was that the terrain that made it hard? Was it the competition? Were you just pushing extra hard? Was it really windy? At the beginning, it was not too windy. They were promising almost not no windy day at all, but um, the wind actually picked up. Uh, but what I've heard from people who live there, they that was definitely not a wind really, because apparently last year for the Ironman, some people had to push their bikes on a flat section. So we still could ride the whole way, but it was pretty windy, mainly coming back. There was some side wind, uh, but... Uh, it was not hard because of that. It was hard because of the the competition, and it is it is a fast course, but it's definitely not flat. It's like um, undulating. Uh, it's very fair course, and I guess it's a world championship race, so you have to push hard. I mean, it's the biggest competition, so that's why it was hard. <laughs> And Radka, you mentioned that, you know, the travel to South Africa, as many people figured out, is not like the simplest and it's not the easiest race necessarily to get to. But were you and you had your daughter in tow with you, too, but were you able to take her on any post-race adventures or did you do any sightseeing or anything like that in South Africa after the race wrapped up? Uh, yes. Yeah, I actually stayed until Tuesday after the race. So I, uh, the women's race was on Saturday. So I had 
the whole Sunday, Monday, and a little bit of Tuesday. So I took Ruby um, with my homestay people to a, a smaller safari, which was only maybe 20 minute drive from from where we stayed and it was it was amazing we saw basically all the animals except of elephants and i have great pictures of ruby just looking out of the window when in front of her is like big giraffe standing and staring inside the car and cheetah running around so it was it was great experience it was also my first time in south africa so it was it was very nice you mentioned your daughter, daughter Ruby, and she is, I believe, just about 10 months old. And since her birth, you've won four 70.3 distance triathlons. You were third at the Challenge Championship in Slovakia, and then you just had your fifth place finish at the 70.3 World Championship. I think a lot of our listeners would love to know, how did you do it? How did you, you know, get back to form so quick? Uh, yeah, Ruby will be nine months old the next week. So <laughs> nine months. I gave her an extra yeah. month. <laughs> yeah, she, she was born just beginning January. Yeah. Wow. Um, thanks for reading all the results. It, it's <laughs> it's nice to hear that. <laughs> I don't even keep count. I I'm really busy. Um, but um, well, I think I was lucky with with my pregnancy. I was it was a healthy pregnancy, and I guess pretty easy pregnancy I would say so I was able to do some training and stay fit all the way until the delivery so I actually had a like a fun fun park run or whatever 5k run uh still one week before Ruby was born and I was still um doing a little easy swim on the day when we went to the hospital so you see how um pretty easy it was with her (laughs) So I, I was lucky in that case, I think. So the coming back was not too difficult, although I was um, thinking it will be even easier. I had no idea how how hard the delivery and everything is. That was that was the toughest part. Um, but I was still able to go for a walk like the third day after the delivery. And then I think the healing and everything went pretty quick. So I was back on the trainer as soon as I could sit down so maybe a week after the delivery and then two weeks later I was back in the pool which which is great I think to keep this the fitness with riding and swimming and then yeah I just had to wait uh, a bit longer to do first running so I was a little bit on elliptical that was great in the gym and also I have followed a, um, a special well uh, pelvic Floor exercises and all this online through uh, Recore Fitness, and um, I think that was very helpful as well. And Raka, what about now that Ruby's, you know, growing up and on the move a little bit more? How does it work when you're traveling with her? So you've raced all over the world, and kind of alluded to the fact that it's a little tougher to travel with a child now, but. How does it change things? And can you share any tips for the other triathlete parents? Because there's definitely plenty of them these days, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes, the traveling is getting more and more difficult. As, like you said, Ruby is on the move. She's, she's crawling. She won't stay where you leave her. So it was easier before. Now she's just excited to like discovering the world. But I'm lucky again. She loves traveling. She loves to see new people and so on the 
on the plane, on the flight, she just basically, we still are lucky to get the bassinet at the front of the plane. So she kind of stands up in the bassinet with me holding her and she is just looking back to watch all the passengers and she's so excited. She's jumping back up and down and that makes her tired and then she sleeps like a baby. So I'm lucky with that. So we still manage uh, it, I think, pretty well. The only another hard part is, you know, traveling with a bike is already difficult. And now bike and the bag and extra bag for baby and a pram and the baby is lots of things. And to some races, I'm traveling on my own without my husband because he he's busy, he has to work, so he can't travel with us all the time. And so I have a system how to pull my bike bag frame, bag, and, and ruby, and I can walk around the airport in no problem. So I've mastered that. <laughs> that is um, amazing. I'd love to see a video of that. I mean, I know that <laughs> hopefully the person videoing would actually help you, but I'm impressed with myself when I could get my like bike and bag through the airport, but a baby and, you know, the stroller, yeah. everything else, that's extra impressive. Yeah. You have to plan everything ahead and also like, like you know, how to get to the bathroom for you, not just for the baby and all these things. Luckily, there is everywhere like the baby change tables where you fit also with your big big trolley or with the bike bag. So all these little things. And, and the packing for a race, I basically start packing already almost maybe like on Monday. And I pack everything I need for Ruby. And then the, the last minute I pack my bike and my stuff. Um, because, you know, if I would forget something important for Ruby, it would be a problem. But for me, I know what to pack because I've been packing for the race for 13 years or so. But with the baby, it's everything new and it changes as she grows. So it's, um, yeah, it's challenging, but it's, it's, um, it's good fun. You're never bored. <laughs> Yeah, okay, you wrote a couple blog posts for your bike sponsor, Live Cycling, about your training during pregnancy. And one of those posts included tips for riding your bike on the trainer through the third trimester. Can you tell us a little bit about the changes you made to keep yourself comfortable on the bike throughout your pregnancy? Yes, yes. Um, I thought the changes at the beginning, which I made, I thought I'm 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 set for, for the whole pregnancy, which I just put my um handlebars up higher and I thought that's it but I had no idea how much the belly is still growing so in the third trimester I had to upgrade my bike into a (laughs) a special one because um so my bike has integrated aero bars so it was not possible to turn them almost basically upside down or how you how you call it It's, it's on the picture there in the blog so I had to still Think how to do it with my road bike. So I basically found two uh, kitchen chairs, pretty high ones, which I put both each uh, on on the side of my wind trainer. And I basically didn't sit in holding the bars, but but the rest or how you call it of the uh, of the chairs. Um, So I didn't need to bend at all, and I was um, sitting pretty comfortably on on my bike. 
That is pretty slick there to put the two chairs on either side of you. And so you can still ride the bike without even touching the bars. Um, It's impressive. It's impressive your, you know, your motivation to keep yourself on the bike through your entire pregnancy. Yeah, I actually improved that later as well because my uh, breasts were getting sore from the hard chair. So I I put on the chair um, like a thicker socks, (laughs) wrapped it around. So it was also padded. (laughs) Whatever it takes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to put a link maybe in the show notes so that people can look at the picture too and kind of yes. match that up with the description if anyone needs to build something like this themselves, right? <laughs> but it's it's actually really good. Like, I mean, you don't spend too much time, but if you can do like uh, 45 minutes to one hour, it's already a good good form of exercise. It makes you feel uh, happy and healthy and, you know, you get the blood flow going. And um, I think anytime I felt like, kind of sick of the pregnancy like you know heavy and tired this little exercise it it makes it it makes a big difference so I would recommend it to everyone and Raka switching gears a little bit um we want to talk about kind of your background and growing up so we believe you grew up in what is now the Czech Republic so I'm curious a little bit about triathlon in the Czech Republic like I think that our research showed your first sport might have actually been cross-country skiing. And so kind of when did triathlon enter the picture and was it something that children have access to there or is it something that you picked up later as an adult? I see you've done pretty good research. Well done. <laughs> so okay, I'll give Haley the, <laughs> the credit for that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Good job. I like cross-country skiing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, yeah, so I grew up, up in Czech Republic and um, cross-country skiing is there definitely bigger than triathlon. I just um, I actually started with tennis, with playing tennis, which is really big in, in the Czech Republic. And my, my father was a tennis coach. So his dream was actually to have my sister and I to be tennis players, which I loved the training, loved um, uh, tennis training, but I was just hopeless with with balls, ball games or anything like that. So I had to change the sport and just fell in love with cross-country skiing. But um, I also wanted to do more sports. So I was doing a little bit of swimming, a little bit of mountain biking and all that. And then um, when I was around you know, 16, um, it was not possible to do just everything, race in winter, cross-country and race in summer, um, athletics or mountain biking so I had to choose my favorite sport uh, and then one one day uh, a coach at the swimming pool came to me and said you know you do all these sports don't you want to try triathlon it's a combination of all what you like so I thought I'll give it a go and um, then I had to decide if I want to take it up seriously either cross-country skiing or triathlon and I actually thought um, in triathlon, there are really good looking guys. I'll just take triathlon. And that was the decision. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we have the official who's hotter cross country <laughs> skiers or triathletes. And Radka has weighed in and is clearly triathletes. <laughs> yep. They are winning. Nice tanned bodies, good muscles, you know, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and also um, triathlon, it's, in the, it's a summer sport, so you get to be in nice destination and 
you know, for winter uh, sport, you get to chase the snow the whole year li- uh, around. So I prefer to chase the summer, which which I love the lifestyle now, chasing the summer. <laughs> Radka, you had a very successful ITU career, and it included a 20th place finish at the London Olympics before you made the leap to non-drafting racing. So earlier on the podcast, in a previous episode, we talked to Holly Lawrence, and she kind of gave us a little bit of insight on ITU racing and some of the challenges that come from the politics of draft legal racing. And... I'm curious to know, were your experiences similar? She, she talked about, you know, they wanted her to be a domestique. They wanted her to only do certain races and not always race her best. And so what were your experiences as an ITU athlete and what made you switch to non-drafting? So I can say I have definitely different experiences than Holly because she is, well, I'm in, in Czech Republic, which, um, uh, I forgot to say Czech Republic is not very big in triathlon. Uh, it used to be, but it's, it's a bit smaller. So there's not too many athletes so that the federation could say you are a domestic or you you don't race this one or that race. We basically don't have that big funding. So for me to even to qualify for Olympics, I basically had to cover my own races to qualify. So Czech Federation couldn't say, there's no words to say, you do this race or that race. I just had to choose. I'm not going to travel all the way from Czech to Sydney to race this World Cup because I would spend all my budget just for this one race. So I would pick races in Europe and and, uh, stuff like that. So for me, the decision to switch to non-drafting was actually uh, for from financial reasons because I just figured I will earn more money if I just pick my races and um, because there was basically not much support from Czech Federation. And I'm not, not angry about anything. I'm happy I did the ITU racing. It was great and uh, best, best experience and, and and all of that. But, you know, sport is my job. So I had to um, just choose what whatever is better, whatever works better for me. Radka, when we talked about your accolades since having Ruby, it probably seemed like you were racing quite a bit, but actually that's something that you've kind of always been known for doing is frequent racing. And we're pretty sure that you've been quoted up to doing 33 races in a single year. So do you ever struggle with motivation when you are constantly racing? It seems like probably every weekend sometimes. And... How do you handle that struggle? Do you have any tips for our listeners on that? And I guess, what do you see the benefits of frequent racing being for your season? Yeah, so yeah, you are correct. Um, One season, I really did 33 races, but it was uh, included with like some duathlons or Olympic distance races, not all halves. Oh my God. But yeah, it's basically racing almost every week. I just love racing. And like you ask about the motivation, the races are my motivation. So I actually feel it's much easier to race every week than to train for three weeks very hard and then race one race. Because the races, that's what gets me out of the bed to travel, uh, sorry, to race hard, uh, to train hard. So I'm not focused very much because I had to pick up Ruby from the floor. <laughs> so 
I would love to race even now more, but um, now with the baby, it's more challenging. And like I said, I have to. Hi, Ruby. <laughs> Hello. Did you want to say something as well? Did you want to say something? So I have to like really think about the logistic with traveling with baby, but um, I'm still racing quite a bit. Um, it's just because I love it. And I think people are training to race. So if you if you train the whole year and then pick just one race and it may not go well for you, then you may struggle with the motivation because you don't see any kind of award for, for your hard work. So I think the race is the, the motivation, is the award to show you that you, you are doing what well what you are doing. And also, I love now the tapering before a race because I have more time for example, now I have more time to spend with Ruby because I do less training. If you taper for a race or after the race, you're tired, so you can't do much training. So you have again more time to do other stuff. So that is the, the, the other advantage. <laughs> and we kind of talked about your lifestyle earlier, your endless summer, chasing summer. You are very often seen on most Asia Pacific start lists and you often race in Europe during the Northern Hemisphere summer. What is that lifestyle like? It's it's great lifestyle. Of course, it has some risks. Like I said, you you are responsible for your own earnings, and um, if you if you get injured, that lifestyle is not good at all, <laughs> because you basically can't travel, you can't train, you can't race, you don't earn money. But I've been pretty lucky. <laughs> Sorry. Um, with with all my um, training and, and racing, I haven't been too many times injured. So it's a great lifestyle because you can pick basically. Oh, I haven't been there. Let's let's go there. Let's do a race there and stay a few days longer and, and stuff like that. So um, thanks to triathlon, I've I've seen so many places in the world. So I love it. And also thanks to triathlon, I've met my husband which I would never probably meet him as a girl from Czech Republic and now meeting an Aussie boy. So it's great. <laughs> so having raced so many places around the world, do you have a favorite race or even a favorite race location? I think my favorite race and race location stays for ages and it's still um, Laguna Phuket Triathlon. It's uh, in, in um, Thailand, in Phuket Island. And it's basically almost uh, like at the end of the year it's like mid-november or so and that is always my last race of the season and i never missed one since maybe six years ago uh until of course last year because i was almost due so i didn't go but so this is this is my favorite race just because thailand is amazing uh, i love the thai food thai people thai massage that location is amazing and uh, you get to stay in beautiful hotel, resort. And it's just like kind of early Christmas for me. So that's my favorite place. And it's, it's so relaxed. <laughs> Radka, since you just recently raced Daniela and Lucy in South Africa, you might have some insider that might have kind of made you think about how they'll be doing uh, next weekend on the big island. And do you have some picks you want to share with our listeners or any thoughts on that race and how things are going to unfold? 
Uh, it's it's so hard. I I just know that you know Kona. Everyone wants to do their best, and many athletes are under pressure to come really good prepared. And just mentally, it's so hard because everyone expects from you to do so well. So many people get injured last minute or or just struggle mentally. But I think these two girls, Daniela and and Lucy, they are just just so impressive athletes and. I can't wait to watch that race. Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. And I'm not saying just these two girls. There's going to be many more. But I think these two are just just the extra extra category. It is an interesting year with the entire podium. The top three finishers from the 70.3 Worlds also racing Kona, Daniela Lucy, and Annie Haug. So it'll be a fun race to watch for sure. Where can we find you next? I'm assuming, are you headed back to Phuket? I'm just deciding if to do Phuket or or another race. I'm just I actually emailed um, the race organizer. So, but probably Phuket. I, I'm not sure yet. But um, before that, I I'll do Western Sydney, uh, 70.3, which is almost like drive driving distance from where we are. Um, so it's like a home race, and I may do. Nusa Try or Nepean, so just races in Australia for, for now. The traveling was a lot, so I want to have a little rest. And then um, maybe I will go as my last race of the year to do Taupo 70.3. I, I've never raced there, and I'd like to go and end up there as like a family holiday or something like that. Well, Raka, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us and tell Ruby thank you for us too and give her a hug <laughs> from us and let her, she was very patient with us during this whole thing. So thanks yeah, for taking that was. time. We know it's a balancing act, but we really appreciate that <laughs> and uh, enjoyed hearing what you've been up to. Yeah, not a problem. It was good to talk to you. She's, she, I'm carrying her now, so she's happy. <laughs> So Alyssa, I know you are actually a fan of frequent racing and you've been known to do back-to-back Ironmans, I think a week or two weeks apart, but can you imagine doing 33 races in a single year? You know, I really can't. And I guess she did make a point to say that those races are not even all half distance, obviously. So I, you know, I think my mind just automatically thinks of racing Ironman or half that much. And that's like just absolutely can't even wrap my head around it, but it is, it must be a, just a different lifestyle to think of it as race after race. And I imagine it helps a lot with like the pre-race nerves, ironing out your game plan from start to finish, right? She's got to have all that dialed in, which, you know, when you have the really good days, it's going to be all ready to go and ready to happen. I know. I think I would miss training though. I love training, but Um, It is just a different way to, you know, tackle the sport. And it's a interesting perspective for sure. Well, Haley, in the meantime, this week, uh, our listeners can also enjoy all of the Iron Women coverage that is going on in Kona. We have Sarah and Ashley live on the ground from the Big Island, and they will be interviewing all the female pros that they can in the time leading up to the world championships. And you can find those videos on our iron women Facebook page. I'm sure there's going to be Instagram coverage as well. So make sure you are checking us out all on there. Um, and also if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever app you use to be listening to iron women, give us a review. It really does help. And, uh, we appreciate it. 
Yeah, Alyssa, um, I will talk to you, I think, in a couple weeks. You're headed to Hawaii as well. I am. So I'll, um, you know, I'm sure there will be some updates from the big island, but I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye, Alyssa. This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am. Get ready for the chorus. I am here now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a live feisty media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chara, and our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Thanks again to our sponsors, Crave Jerky, FGC Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smash Fest Queen. Queen.